Welcome to the Fearless Health Podcast with host Dr. Anne-Marie Barter. Dr. Barter is on a mission to help people achieve their health and wellness goals and help men and women live their best lives fearlessly. Dr. Barter is the founder of Alternative Family Medicine and Chiropractic in Denver and Longmont, Colorado. Thank you so much for joining us here today on the Fearless Health Podcast. My name is Dr. Anne-Marie Barter, and I am your host, and I'm super excited about our guest today. Her name is Shannon Pederudi. She is the Chief Executive Officer of the Drip Bank. She is a board-certified nurse practitioner with a constant passion for knowledge. She's continued her education in anti-aging, functional medicine, IV therapy, and USP 797, sterile compounding training. In 2014, she stepped into her current position as CEO at, of IM120, a concierge medical practice locked in for the future of personal health care rather than sick care. With her leadership, IM20 grew sales by 33%, reduced cost of goods by 24%, and sustained a loyalty base of over 78%. Her professional success and industry expertise makes her the force to be reckoned with. Her collaborative experiences and passion has now accumulated her position as the CEO of the Drip Bar Franchising LLC. With dedication to individualized patient care and a keen focus on the emerging science of cellular health, the Drip Bar is, a breaking, new, is breaking new boundaries. Thank you so much for being here today. I'm super sure. excited to have you. Great. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Okay, so what got you into IV injections? Why was that what your what you got really passionate about? So about five years ago, we we've been doing at IM120. We do functional medicine, so we do hormones and the functional aspect of it and weight loss. And we had a client that has been coming to us for a while, and she had lymphoma and. She she was kind of steady and then she started not doing great and you know we saw her lose weight and we were kind of getting really concerned and her daughter is really into functional medicine and just kind of stuff that's like a little different so she said i'm taking my mom to canada for a month um they they do you know all this alternative stuff and we we're like all right great you know this is really before there was like two centers in the country doing this it wasn't common she came back a month later. <laughs> she was like a different person. I mean, she gained 15 pounds. Her white cell count was fine. She was just like back to like normal. Um, and we were like, all right, whoa, like, hold on. You know, what is this? What, what, you know, what did she do? So we, we found out the stuff that we were allowed to do in the U.S. And high dose vitamin C is, was a big aspect of that. So we, we did training and um, found out how to start. And that's actually how we started with high dose vitamin C. And then we, we did chelation therapy. And then we actually kind of got into our, what we consider our lifestyle drips, which is like, you know, immune support, you're flying, you want to do a drip. Okay. So with the vitamin C, I think that that's very cool. With the vitamin C, I know that you guys um, have to be careful about how much vitamin C you give. Um, mm -hmm. so what, what is it around? Because I know with cancer patients, you can do pretty high dose. Yeah. Um, like 100 yeah. milligrams, is that right? We generally do about 50. So okay. it depends on the person. So we titrate them up. They start at 10. Then they have to do a blood test to make sure they don't have a certain gene that could harm them if you gave them too high of a dose. Then we, we step them up to 25 grams 
and we do a blood test before and immediately after. And we're looking for their blood sugar to rise by 350 points. So it's not necessarily actually their, their sugar levels, but that's what we want to see. So if that doesn't happen, then we say, okay, next one come in. Now we're going to do 50 grams and we do the same thing. And generally we, we have two clients that do 100 grams in our center, but generally 50 has been enough. Okay. And you're seeing resolve of some pretty serious conditions. We see a lot of the clients who, you know, come to us and um, they've been with us for years and their oncologist said, you know, I should have been dead two years ago. Huh. Um, you know, and they don't, you know, and there's nothing else like for them to do. There's no chemo, you know, they're kind of like, we can't do anything. And, they're, and, and they'll say, well, you know, do you think it's a vitamin C? And they'll say, no. And they'll say, well, why do you think? Well, I don't know, you know, but it's probably not that. Um, so we see just a, a longer lifespan and quality of life, absolutely. Um, for those who do vitamin C before chemo, they'll come in to do vitamin C after chemo. We have clients who work right up to the end. You know, it's, it's kind of nice. They feel good, feel good, feel good. And then, you know, the, the cancer may eventually succumb them, but they just feel better. So... So that's kind of your party line, making them feel, feel better. And if something else happens, that's wonderful. Yeah. yeah. You know, uh, I mean, it's, it's terrible and it happens to people and it's horrible, but you know, if you can live longer and live better with it and do something that has no side effects and um, we say, Hey, you know, why not? You know, I've seen you know, through the years with practice, vitamin C is a pretty major deficiency. Would you agree, especially when I'm running testing, it's kind of astounding that that always shows up. It is. It is. And it's, you know, I think one of the things is people can only take so much, right? Orally. You know, it, it gives them GI upset. So unless you're taking it, you know, four or five times a day, um, I don't think anyone can really reach that level. I agree. You know. And you yeah. can do liposomal. I mean, I know that that's yeah. kind of the, <laughs> the in-between. But yeah, most people cannot take it orally at all. So in your, are you also finding a lot of luck with glutathione um, in your IVs? We do a lot. Um, we depends on, you know, what for. So we do a lot with our power pack drip, so energy, so it helps to recycle the B vitamins, um, anything that isn't high antioxidant. Um, in our all-star, we do it in our firm, of course, with, you know, vitamin C for skin. Um, so we see good benefit as much as vitamin C, probably not, um, you know, objectively. But people, you know, come in and say, they can tell a difference. If they do a power pack with it or they do it without it, they can tell a difference. And they just say the energy is better. Is that they will. the big thing? Mm -hmm. And what are you noticing with skin between the two, glutathione and vitamin C? So I think for the person who, you know, that general, the consistent, the vitamin C is better. Glutathione, when you look at the studies, you really have to do it like five days a week for like a month. When you talk about like lightning, um, we had someone come to us and they were in Mexico and they were doing the before and after pictures were astonishing um, on, on their skin, how it lightened. It was beautiful. But I mean, they literally did it every day for a month. Um, so I think it's a good, you know, add on if you're if you're already doing something. But to do it specifically. We use a lot of like high dose glutathione for Parkinson's mm -hmm. in our center. Um, so yeah. 
That's incredible. What are you seeing with that? Um, we find they say th they shake a lot less. So depends on how many times that, you know, let's say they come in on a Monday, they can tell that for several days, you know, or a week after they just, the shaking is just much better. And we know, I mean, that's amazingly fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> so we know that both vitamin C and glutathione are going to help you detoxify out, or they're going to help with metal detoxification, mold. I know glutathione in the studies has been been written up for about 90% of the environmental chemicals we're coming, um, we're being exposed to. Mm -hmm. um, have you seen any wonderful benefits uh, with that? For, if we're looking at heavy metals, then we're doing EDTA. So we're mm -hmm. doing chelation or we have EDTA in our time machine. So we do heavy metal testing. So we do the urine test, you know, the six hour, find out, you know, what heavy metals they have. And we actually have a, a paper out for reduction in lead levels for the average is about 14 chelation treatments. And it was about 40% reduction in lead levels after doing 14 chelations. So objectively, we've, we've found it with that. I couldn't say we found it with just generally doing glutathione or, or vitamin C, but the chelation does have glutathione and, you know, a high dose, 75 mil, 7,500 milligrams vitamin C. Mm -hmm. So with, um, when you're doing heavy metal testing, I know that it's been debated in the research. Are you using a chelation agent? Should you not use a chelation agent? Um, I, I don't remember when this study came out, what, seven, maybe seven years ago. There's a study that said if you use EDTA, you're not detoxing appropriately, then the metals can find a new home in your brain. Have you found any of that or do you feel that that was um, just not maybe the right study? I don't think it was the right study. I think they came out around when the TACT trial came out, TACT-1 came out, and the study was fabulous. I mean, the results were significant for those who had diabetes and the reduction in death. It was, it was remarkable. And, you know, mainstream medicine just buried it and buried it. And I think at the time they just kind of came out with other things to say, no, 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 that's not true. That's not true. Oh, and look at, you know, and look at this. I mean, there's been 40 years of data on chelation and using EDTA. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, we've seen it because we've done heavy metal testing, we do the chelation, and then we've done it again. So we've seen, um, we do, you know, mocha testing. So we've done, okay, you know, you're at a 22 for your mocha testing, which, you know, there's some, some impairment going on. We've done the 14 chelations and now they're up to a 26. So when we look at, you know, brain health, we know that it's helping to reduce levels in the brain. Mm -hmm. You said something interesting, kind of glazed over it real quick. You said <laughs> something, and I, I'd, like, I'd like for you to talk about this not being a metformin deficiency potentially, that you discussed diabetes and heavy metals, that there was a correlation. So do, do you want to expound on that a little bit? Sure. So in the, the TAC trial, so it was 2,000 clients and they were either in, you know, placebo or they were getting the EDTA and they found, so when we look at diabetes, right? There's like nothing really that, that we can do for them. Um, not do for them. I mean, there's metformin, of course, there's medications, but, but they're the ones most at risk for diseases and they're just really high risk. When the, when the results came out, they found that diabetics had the best 
overall reduction in heavy metal and in life expectancy. So, you know, again, everyone was kind of like, hmm, like, how is that possible? You know, why is that true? Um, so now TAC 2 is going on, TAC Trial 2. So started in 16. Hopefully that should be out next year to kind of prove. And the results are, are right on track with TAC 1. Just to prove the same results. Look, we did this. You know, this happened. The same thing is happening. So it's something great we feel like for diabetics um, that have, you know, there's, there's something else out there for them that's not medication, that's not, you know, all these things that can have negative effects for them. Well, I mean, let's be honest. If you go on metformin, you're kicking the can down the road, right? I mean, you're just yeah. kicking it a little further. Right. It's not reversing the condition. It's not changing it. It's not really treating it. No. You're just kind of kicking the can down the road because it's not really the, you're not metformin deficient. That's not the root no. cause, you <laughs> no. know? So, no. I mean, I find right. that interesting. So do you have any other things where you've really seen the EDTA work in chronic conditions? Um, blood pressure. So hypertension, we had, this is one of my favorite. Oh my gosh. He was like one of my favorite clients. So this is years ago. Now this is a fit guy. I mean, like in shape, he was got in his fifties then, you know, eight incredible, super knowledgeable at everything. He comes in, his BP is like 185 over a hundred or like, what is going on? You know? And he's like, I'm not going on medicine. I'm not medication. I'm not doing any of it. No, no, no. I read about chelation and this is like right when we started doing it. I swear it was the, like the same month. So he's like, I just want to do that. And we're like, oh my God. All right. Like, you know, so talk to his doc, like the whole thing. Every single time he came in, his blood pressure went down, went down, went down. He's been, he's been doing chelation with us for like four years and normal BP, nothing else changed, you know, normal BP. And, and we've seen that with others, not just, you know, with him. And the same thing, it's kind of like, okay, why is that happening? You was, know? It just, was it just high or was it variable? It was always high. Always just, just straight a, high. Just always high. Nothing wrong, nothing, you know, nothing. Um, so, you know, we know it helps to clean out the arteries. So is it just, you know, um, was it just we couldn't see it? Because he did other tests and everything. Um, and he is totally normal now. So he did other tests. They came back clear. Nothing. Yeah. You couldn't find any reason. Just high. Sorry, you have high blood pressure. You need whatever yeah. X, Y, Z, med. Yeah. yeah. And that's yeah. it. That's it. And he was like, I'm nope, I'm not doing the side effects. I'm not, you know, everything that, oh, you know, side effects are terrible with them. So he's like, I got to try this. I said, all right, let's, you know, let's do it. And so that's another kind of huge, right, for people. That medication can be terrible. Mm -hmm. And what, are there any negative, I mean, we've talked about so many positive um, things with IVs. Um, and, and I want to get into a few more things in, in just a second. But are there any negatives uh, for doing IV therapy? So it's a, it's a needle, right? So we're, you know, besides the, could you have bruising? Could you have an infection? Um, there's always that risk. What's in it um, should knock on something. We have never in our, you know, five years, 20,000 IVs doing this had an issue. We are also that when you talk about like that 797 certified. So we follow strict from um, Department of Pharmacy guidelines on sterile compounding. So we use a whole 
um, hospital grade hood and everything is, you know, we're compliant and we have testing. And so um, I think that plays a role, but what's like in the actual chelation, there's nothing in it that, that we have found that's, you know, dangerous. We haven't had one side effect. Um, I know it seems odd, right? To say like, no, 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 it's all positive. Um, but we really haven't found anything that's negative. Is that different than other IV places? It is. So I would say 98% of IV places in the country are not up to 797 standards. So it's something that came out about two years ago that used to only be in sterile, like if, you know, actual compounding place, you know, you order medications, they have to follow it, especially after, I don't know if you remember New England compounding killed like 70 people and gave meningitis to like 700 people. It was horrible. No, when was that? Oh, this is like 2012, 14. Uh -uh. Oh, it was like so horrible because they were mixing and something wasn't cleaned and then they got spores or mold into the, it was bad. So the Department of Pharmacy was like, whoa, that's it, regulations. So they have been in every compounding pharmacy, you know, the regulations were like crazy, but it's good now, right? So we know, okay, that's safe. So when IV centers started kind of popping up, in right in the 797 guidelines in the beginning, it says these aren't for doctor's offices. So I think hmm. people are like, all right, I can like just, I can mix whatever, you know, like on a counter. Because you think docs would do like, you know, Kenalog and lidocaine and do some injections and stuff. So it kind of made sense. And then they were a couple years ago, they were kind of like, all right, now we don't know what to do with you because now like you're really kind of compounding. You know, you put like seven things in a bag, like that's a big deal. Now you have these vials and you have to store them. And, you know, there, you, once you puncture it, you have 28 days, that's it. You know, are people doing that? So these whole guidelines came out. And I think like the states haven't totally caught up with it yet. Like in Rhode Island last year, they came in and there was a couple other drip bars that were open and they shut them down because they were literally like mixing on a counter, like next to a coffee maker, <laughs> you know? Um, so, you know, and then COVID hit. So I think actually it was a year before COVID hit. And then, so they're kind of behind, but it's something that will definitely catch up throughout the country. And if you're not 797 They'll just, you know, shut you down until you're up to compliant with it. You know, that was something interesting I thought about with COVID, and I'd like to get your perspective on this. Sure. I found it interesting that they, in here in the state of Colorado, they shut down IV bars. I'm not sure because we do a lot of, you know, cancer clients that that was kind of the reason for it. Um, but yeah, we didn't get shut down. No, so you worked the entire time mm -hmm. because... We did. That could have, I mean, here, I felt like that could have been very beneficial for a yes. lot of people. And so that to me was confusing, you know, that that was something that was unessential, you know, in, in working, um, in working with that and what we saw in the studies was vitamin C was very beneficial, glutathione was beneficial, you know, vitamin D, you know, other mm -hmm. things were beneficial, but, but in now recounting the, um, with frontline workers, that were, you know, on the hospital floors with COVID, a lot of them were on vitamin C and yeah. did not contract the coronavirus. Yep. I found that super fascinating. It, you know, it is. And, and even during this whole thing, 
the studies that are coming out, like, you know, they're using high-dose vitamin C, using high-dose vitamin C, look into it. And you think, why, why can't we? You know, I mean, not necessarily us, but like all the IV bars, they shut down. Like, why would you stop this, you know, preventative medicine? You didn't stop like airborne from selling in like CVS, you know, but, but our centers can't, can't do oh, it. Sure. It doesn't make sense. I um, thought that was interesting, right? Just especially because yeah. the studies were out. I mean, I, I remember right. at the very beginning of this, just being like, okay, how do I, how do I scramble? How do I assimilate this data? How do I help my patients that have this? What do I need to know? And there was some, there was definitely a fair amount of studies. There was even one that talked about, it was a case study. So what, not a meta-analysis, mm -hmm. et cetera. They talked about a guy on the brink of death. They gave him glutathione and he came back. Did you, I, yeah. So yeah. awesome. Right. <laughs> so you think awesome. why, like every hospital, why aren't we hanging a bag for everyone every day? Right. Like, there's, there's no side effects, you know, there's, it makes no sense to me, but it goes back to like the whole functional medicine and, you know, it's not standard of practice and a lot of people just don't believe in it and think, um, even now, right? 2021 and people still think that's like, um, not something we should be doing, you know, or it's preventative, right? So it's like, oh, you know, oh, no preventative now. Now we just need medicine. And it's like, but it works. Look, you know, why wouldn't we do this? I know we were actually so busy. Were you? That's really cool to hear. It's really cool. Yeah. I know hospitals, there were a couple of hospitals in New York that actually started utilizing yeah. vitamin C bags. Am I incorrect on that? Nope, nope okay. they did. Mm -hmm. I think that's incredibly special. So I, do you, I just, it just feels like vitamin C is such a huge deficiency and such a huge problem. I mean, you look at cancer rates, right? You look at, um, we also do a lot of, we call it secondary cancer prevention. So you take someone who has had cancer and now they're, they're cured, right? So there, there's no detection of cancer in the body, but you look at the relapse rate, right? Breast cancer, you know, 25%, all these cancers that just, just all of a sudden it comes back, you know, with a vengeance. And, and by the time the oncologist says, okay, you're cleared, you know, we don't need to see you anymore our clients are like, well, what am I supposed to do? You know, like, like I eat healthy, I'm a good weight, you know, what do I do? So we started doing high dose vitamin C once a month. And we say, look, if there's some cancer cells, you know, floating around, you do the high dose vitamin C, hopefully, you know, A, it'll, it'll boost your immune system, right? To hopefully go in there and, and kill them naturally, or it'll just go in and kill the cells on their own. And we've had some clients with horrible cancers, like really bad cancers, that their relapse rate should have been very high, and they're and they're fine. Mm. Um, so you know, it's it's one of those you can't prove anything, right? You can't say like you really can't say anything about it. But we've been doing it for five years. You know, we have all these clients, and again, it, like it doesn't hurt them. It's really cost effective. You know, it's only once a month. Um, so we found that, you know, that helps also. I'm going to ask you a real offshoot question. I don't know <laughs> if you're going to know the answer. So I want to preface this. Okay. One thing that I have found is that we have gone in supplements to vegetarian capsules. Mm -hmm. Vegetarian capsules tend to be a corn-based derivative. So there tends to be a lot of 
corn in supplements. Are, are you guys corn free for those folks out there that are very sensitive to corn? Because you hear folks that say, I can't take any of this as they have, you know, morphed to vegetarian capsules away from gelatin capsules. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if you've seen any of that or heard about yeah, any of that. We actually have the option that it can be corn based or non corn based. Ours are all non corn based. So it's, it's a much cheaper option <laughs> to get the corn based one. Mm -hmm. What are you guys using mm -hmm. instead on the non-corn based? Um, uh, that's okay. Don't don't quote <laughs> me on this. I want to say sweet potato, but um, oh, it's, that's um, cool. It's a vegetable. Yeah, they're like organic, you know, vegetables. So non non-corn though. Do you feel like everybody can benefit from IVs, or there, or not really? So there's the you know predicament of. What if I eat well? What if I'm healthy? You know, do I really need one? And when we look, we look back 50 years, you know, what people ate and we look now, we know, you know, our soil isn't the same, right? How many people are on like PBIs or like, because they have, you know, acid and um, how many people have had like gastric surgery and or, or have leaky gut, irritable bowel, like all these conditions that affect their gut that we know they don't, you know, absorb. So are there some people that, don't need it? Probably. Um, I would say for most of the population, there's, they could benefit somehow, whether it's, you know, immune, whether it's chelation, right? Everyone is heavy metals. If you're over the age of 35, we'd lead paint, we'd lead gas. Um, even now we've lead in lipstick and lead in, lead is like everywhere in, in cups. God forbid you buy something overseas, forget it. It's, it's just everywhere. Um, so, so yeah, I, I do think it's, I would say for a very high percentage of the population. Awesome. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Did I not ask anything that you think is really important to cover today? Um, I don't think so. We covered it. Didn't yeah, we, we covered <laughs> I do. I do have one final question. I remember hearing this off the, off the top. I, and I've never I've never investigated this, but somebody said there are certain things that you should not get in an IV. Is there any truth to that? So there are. So you have to be careful with the fat-soluble vitamins, right? So we never do A, we never do K. Vitamin D, we do kind of on a restricted base. So they're all water-soluble, um, and I would just be careful of anything fat-soluble. Because you can pee it out for it being water soluble, right. fat soluble, it's going to build up in your tissues and you can get toxicity issues. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Yeah. And so, so we need to look for the certification when we're going to an IV place. That is like the real driving home message. Absolutely. I would ask them, you know, are you 797 compliant? You know, and if they say, what are you talking about? Just, yeah, run. <laughs> run. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here today. Just really appreciate having you here. Well, thanks for having me. This was great. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed learning with us today, please give us a five-star review, comment, like, and share our podcast with your friends and family. As always, if you'd like to learn more information about today's guest, please head over to fearlesshealthpodcast.com for links to their site and other educational resources.